The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself. Because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order? Cashback guru? Low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you. Because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store. Even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome to the Rotowire Prospect Podcast. I'm Clay Link here with lead prospect writer James Anderson. This podcast is sponsored by FanDuel. Big shout out and thank you to New Day, N-E-U-D-A-E, at New Day Music on Twitter. We appreciate the song Lion Kings. James going to be looking at your latest piece up on the site, another, another stellar one, Farm Futures Hitter Predictions. And before we get into those, you did break down the ones that hit and the ones that missed from last year. We won't get into all of these, but any major takeaways you got from looking back at, at your predictions from last year? Well, you know, I knew that there was probably going to be a bad Aaron Judge one in there, and obviously there was. Uh, really, right there with you. Really swung and missed on that one. Uh, I think I just said he was going to strike out a lot and get sent down, and yeah, didn't didn't quite go that way. Uh, the worst honestly that wasn't even my worst one my worst one was saying that jake bowers was going to get a a mid-season call up last year i mean that that's just i don't remember that one 
absurdly bad reasoning on my part and i i have no idea what i was on what type of weird hallucinogens i was was on when i made that prediction but uh yeah i mean that that really shouldn't happen there's no excuse for that that type of a prediction yeah i i would think that that one would have stuck in my mind but i I really don't remember that one at all the ray's offense wasn't anything to write home about so uh maybe they should have given him a look when do you expect bowers to be up this year uh, well, my initial prediction was that he would be up, uh, you know, right around, you know, third week of April, second week of April, once they've got a seventh year controlled. Jason Collette chimed in and said that he's a noted Rays fan, if you don't know, but Jason Collette chimed in and said he he wouldn't be surprised if those guys were kept down uh, past the Super 2 cutoff, which... You know, I, it didn't make sense to me kind of on the surface because Bowers and Willie Adamas would both be up over 700 plate appearances at AAA in that case. But, man, it's the Rays. It, I guess if they can save a few million dollars by getting uh, avoiding that fourth arbitration year, I, I guess I wouldn't put it past them. The, the reason why the Bowers prediction was so bad is just because of the org. Like he, mm-hmm. in a lot of orgs, he, he might've been up last summer, but just the idea that they would only give him half a season at triple a, uh, was, was just ludicrous. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not easy being a Reds fan, but at least they're like a, a real team. You know, at least a f- fan of the fake rays, which is not even a real organization really not competitive at all and i mean they still kind of have that thought in some baseball fans minds that they're like a smart organization but they haven't really been smart since what zaidi left i mean they're i don't know every move they make seemingly has me puzzled i, mean, I think the crone sign or trade was fine i mean it cost them nothing uh, Carlos Gomez could be okay, but just not a team that I see going anywhere, really. And I do expect them to play those games with their their top prospects. But, James, you have 20 hitter predictions for 2018 here. We'll get to all of them. And number one, Scott Kingery hits 270 with 15-plus home runs, 20-plus steals in the majors after mid, after a mid-April promotion to AAA. And I hear some people talking that, you know, maybe it's just Acuna in this kind of Chris Bryant zone but you you think kingery will will follow a similar path so with this kind of projection for him as a dollar value in a mixed league what are you putting on scott kingery i would probably be willing to go up to nine ten eleven something like that i just know i would never have to really (laughs) i mean i'm not going to be bidding against myself so did you get him in stake league uh, I think we were both running low on money at the no. Uh, that was a that was a funds issue. I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I and I honestly, I mean, I think I bought Jonathan VR, and that kind of accounted for the production that I would have bought Kingery for. So yeah, I, I paid up five bucks for Kingery in that twelve team Tout Wars, and that's with like a scoring system devaluing steals. So uh, maybe get, went a little overboard there. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It, it, he's he's good enough and well rounded enough and and talented enough that I, I, I think he could earn eighteen to twenty bucks in a mixed league this year. So it's just kind of is he going to be up when I think he's going to be up? Is he going to be down? I mean, he could be down until June, depending on what's happening with the the rest of the Phillies or just 
uh, my read on the situation is they want him up ASAP, which means kind of the Acuna treatment, but I obviously could be wrong about that. And then, you know, anyone can struggle in their first taste of big league pitching. I mean, talked about how I got the Aaron judge prediction wrong. Well, he was terrible in 2016. I mean, Mike, Mike Trout's rookie season wasn't great. So it, it's possible that even though I think Kingry's going to be a good player for a long time, he could struggle this year. So it's there's a wide range of outcomes as there is with all these guys. But after Acuna, to me, Kingry's easily my my second favorite hitter in terms of prospects for 2018. Yeah, I paid up five for him in that 12 team mixer. He actually ended up going in the reserves of the 15 team mixed auction, uh, and that one had a traditional five by five. So. You actually have to compete in stolen bases. I really think you should be going in the auction portion of all all mixed leagues, and uh, maybe maybe that'll happen. But I still think he's you know you, you think of Scott Kingery, he's not really a sleeper, but I guess technically he still is at least the more casual fantasy fan base. Number two here, Royce Lewis will be at high A when he turns nineteen on June fifth, and he will finish his first full season at Double A. You added to that saying he'll hit double-digit home runs and steal over 30 bases in route to entering 2019 as a top-five prospect for Dynasty Leagues. Of course, the top overall pick in last year's draft and somebody that I think I think you have higher on your list than most. I'm pretty excited about Royce Lewis. I was trying to get him in staff, too, uh, just with a buck, but he ended up going in the reserves because I filled filled my spots and couldn't couldn't swing it, but... Uh, why are you so high on Royce Lewis relative to other uh, prospect guys? Uh, I I think he might have some of the best makeup in all the minor leagues. I think he's just oozing with tools as well. I mean, that's a dangerous combination when you got a guy that is has the work ethic, has the kind of charisma, has all the physical tools. He was i think like 17 percent better than the average midwest league hitter last year as an 18 year old in his first taste of pro ball uh i really just don't see him being challenged by low a pitching i think he might go back there just to start the year but then i really don't see him being all that challenged by high a pitching i mean he's got elite bat speed has a has a good idea of the strike zone that his speed underway is going to help him you know run beat out a lot of infield hits and, and that type of thing i just it's hard for me to see offensively any weaknesses in the profile i think there are people that think he eventually moves off shortstop so you know that's fine but really i, I don't view shortstop or even second base outfield like to me where do, do you really care about position scarcity a ton like i i i catcher obviously is is just a barren wasteland but there's a ton of middle infield options available that i think are serviceable so even if he moves to the outfield that i think he's got the type of well-rounded skill set where it's just he's going to be a star no matter what yeah i think position scarcity in mixed leagues is really overblown now aside from catcher as you said because even second base, I mean, there's probably a drop-off at that position, but the top 15, pretty well stacked. There's a Yeah, there's a drop-off at every position. Yeah. I mean, outfield, there's a drop-off at a certain point in outfield. There's a drop-off mm-hmm. at a certain point in third base. Like, second base and third base, to me, are about as, about as deep as, as yeah. each other. Yeah, it's not like there's a drop-off from four to five, you know. Yeah. It's, it's further down the list, so... 
I'm with you there. Luis Urias is a guy you've been trying to sell me on. I think I'm coming around, James. Hey, dude, you should hold out and just make <laughs> it make it fun podcasting where one of us has to be right and one of I us has to be I want to be on the wrong right. side of history. <laughs> Luis Urias, you're predicting he's going to hit double-digit home runs, cross stops at AAA in the majors this season, and, and that's bold because he hit just nine home runs in his previous 1,306 professional at-bats. That's the, the reason I've been hesitant. It's just, yeah, the, the plate approach is great, but is there enough there for there to be really any category juice? I don't know, but the, the new ball in baseball should help him. You know, pass indicators for power on the farm. Not really, they don't really tell you much in today's game with the guy coming up to the big leagues, but uh, why do you think he will have more power while still in the minors this year? Yeah, somebody asked me just kind of what the reasoning was behind that prediction uh, in the comments section, and it's just he's getting older, he's getting stronger. Uh, I honestly think more of those home runs probably come in the majors than in the minors, and part of that's the juice ball. I think that there's, you know, if you look at just what, look at what like Scooter Jeanette did last year, look at what uh, Jesse Winker, I mean, great america two great america cases obviously but i mean uh winker was an extreme case right oh, both of them both of them really were. i mean th- there's just there's a difference between hitting in the minors and hitting in the majors right now with the baseball and he you know you, you remember that home run he hit in the fall stars game yes it was a grooved fastball but he didn't there wasn't like a, a big uppercut to that swing. It was just, he's got, he, he makes such good contact that I think eventually, like, I mean, think of how old the guy is too. I mean, he's going to be 20 when he makes his big league debut. Uh, you know, you get quite a bit stronger when you go from like 18 to 20 and 20 to 21. And, uh, it's just, he makes such good contact that eventually the ball is just going to start carrying further. I'm not saying that he's ever going to be a, 25 30 homer guy but he when you hit the ball that often and hit it on the sweet spot that often and uh get to do it with a juice ball hopefully this year then i think that it just is natural to expect him to eventually get to that uh 10 to 15 homer area and i think that he's going to do that across multiple stops this year if he stays healthy so does he have to wait for a freddie galvis injury do they are they dead set on him playing short or do they think maybe we'll supplant Corey spangenberg carlos aswahe uh, one of those guys a second i think he'll be up in may or june basically just it's regardless whenever he's sufficiently mastered triple a pitching i guess uh, you know he I think he's already probably better, a better all-around player than a Swahe Spandenberg. So second base, he could be a plus defender at second base. I think with Galvis in the fold, you just, I mean, Galvis is a better defender at shortstop than Urias. And I think Urias could play shortstop, but he's not as good as Galvis. So you keep him at second base and his positional versatility could come in handy if Galvis is struggling at the dish or gets hurt or they somehow find a way to trade him at the deadline. I think this is the last year of his deal. So uh, I wouldn't surprise me if Furious gains shortstop eligibility in season, but I think he'll make his debut at second base. Number four here, Austin Riley, Mr. Ass like that, Austin Riley, predicting he destroys AAA pitching, hitting over 300 with double-digit home runs over the first two months, leading to an early June promotion. 
Then he locks down the Braves' third base job, hitting over 260 with 15 plus home runs over those final, what, four months. So that's pretty bold. And not, I knew you liked Riley, but what made you want to get this aggressive on a guy like, like Riley? I just think that there's, I think we're seeing a hitter really come into his own over the past, you know, basically since maybe June of last year. He's really just been on a tear and you know he was on a tear at double a last year mashed in the fall league he's had a couple impressive home runs so far in spring training and he's got his body his body's in in a really good spot compared to where it was when he came into pro ball where he was kind of thicker and and kind of less agile he's really done a good job to uh become a bit more flexible and and get some good swings on the ball and uh you know, I think that they view him obviously as their third baseman of the future, and there's really nothing standing in his way there. And I think the Braves have a, I don't know, maybe 15, 20% shot of, of contending or being in the wild card hunt all the way down to the end of the season this year. I think they're on the surface, it might not look like they're all that deep, but they have so many arms coming. They obviously have Acuna coming. If just Acuna, Albies, Inciarte, Freddie Freeman kind of do what they're supposed to do this year, uh, I think that they're going to be in a lot of games, and Riley might profile as an upgrade there. Is and you you probably wait till June just for him to develop a AAA and get past that Super Two cutoff. But I don't really see any reason why he would keep him down after that if he's producing. Yeah, by the way, no Acuna prediction here from your article. We've, we've offered up plenty of those. And James, yeah. you and I had our first kind of uh, bidding war over Acuna. I, mean, I think it was our first real one in the Rotowire Stake League earlier this week. I just couldn't let you have him, man. I had to go 25, 18 teams, 260 budget. I just felt he, you know, it was partially like an overreaction to missing out on him in tout. Uh, Paul Sporer just kept pushing me, pushing me. I had to back out. Uh, but I, I had to get my guy here. So, I, sorry I had to do that to you. It's fine. You know, I, I'll i I'll be buying again this year. It's fine. Um, I... <laughs> I could well. I got plenty of Acuna shares in like the earlier drafts. Like I got him in the Arizona one. I think I got him in the Beat James Anderson one. Did you? Uh, notice I missed him in mine. I think. I think I actually had to choose between him and Albies in the TGFBI one. I took Albies, uh, so I think I only have the two shares of, of leagues that drafted this year. I haven't met a keeper league as well, but uh, yeah, I mean. That's the uh, stake leagues. That's a real uh, mf or of an auction. I mean, there's just so much money flying off the board early. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was happy to he found a good home though with you. It's it would have I would have probably kept pushing if it had been somebody else who yeah. I just could not allow to profit off of off of a good Acuna season. But I'll, yeah. I'll happily see you at the the eaters table. Well. Well, I'll probably, well, I won't. I'll, I'll, I'll see well, you. I'll yeah, I'll be at okay. the buyer's table, and I'll see you from across the room, and I'll be like, oh. Hey. I'm going to say, I mean, as good as I expect Acuna to be, don't put it past me to screw it up. You're not going to, like, drop him in early <laughs> April, are you? No, I think I learned my lesson with Cody Bellinger <laughs> last year. It uh, still hurts me, especially because the guy who picked him up ended up winning. I feel like I screwed with the league yeah you did you well, messed yeah, with the integrity of the league and then i and <laughs> then knowingly. i i messed yeah. with the integrity of the league later in the season with a 
for the trade I gifted you. So yeah, that that auction is always just insane every year. So much spending up top. That's why I I feel like I've finally realized like when that's happening. Get a couple guys and then just wait because uh, I'm trying to load up on like the six to thirteen dollar players. So I, you and I have talked about this, I think, on the podcast earlier this season. But you know how we talked about how you know we're not going to be getting into that stupid <laughs> stashing game, right? Yes, uh, I stashed like four. Well, <laughs> well, I stashed. <laughs> I unknowingly am stashing Justin Turner for now. I bought him like half an hour before that in, that injury got announced. Uh, but That's then like the worst luck I've seen all draft season, man. That's horrible. Yeah, but then uh, I'll be I'll be stashing Jimmy Nelson and Michael Kopech in that league. So <laughs> let the, let the stashing begin, folks. Hey, I got uh, a puck who's hurt uh, already. I got Erod who actually does look like yeah. That was a, that was a hell of a buy. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good about that. I think I got Sandy Alcantara. Oh, nice. snap, snap. <laughs> Uh, I think he was sent down. I think the next day. I, time, time to stash. Yeah, I <laughs> I preached that. And I went overboard and stashed like four guys. Well, here's the in our defense, uh, there might not be a single big league starter available on waivers in that league. Yeah, I I was looking because I've Brent Suter was like one of my final reserve picks and. I was like, well, I'm probably going to need to upgrade him. So I took a look at the pool, and I'm like, Ooh, might not be able to. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, it's like even like Luis Perdomo is out in that league. Any prospect that could come up in the first half, like any pitching prospect that could come up in the yeah. first half was was basically bought. Oh, yeah, I got I got Eloy, too. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that'll work out well. <laughs> I'm sure I won't cut him in April. No. I don't get that, he'll be the, your Bellinger yeah, this year. Absolutely. I mean, I have zero doubt about that. <laughs> a quick note, what's better than fantasy sports? The future of fantasy sports. The Fantasy Gold Team is bringing you just that. Welcome to DraftDaily.com. It's crypto, it's currency, it's sports. DraftDaily.com is the new standard in the fantasy sports industry with almost non-existent fees, 100% trackable transactions, and 0% risk of chargebacks. We are taking the industry by storm, making the game we all love both safer and cheaper to play. We have brought fantasy sports and blockchain technology together to create the ultimate user experience and platform, DraftDaily.com. On DraftDaily.com, our users, users can play without worry and without fees digging into their profits. DraftDaily.com, introducing cryptocurrencies to the masses. What better way to do that than to merge crypto with fantasy sports? On DraftDaily.com, you can play with and win cryptocurrency. Secure your place in history. Play on DraftDaily.com today, where players and the game they love are the focus. DraftDaily.com. James, moving on to number five, Jalen Ortiz. You predict that he is headed, well, he stated here that he is headed to a famed pitcher's park at Low A Lakewood, but you predict that it will not matter. He will still lead the Salad League in WRC Plus and ISO before getting a taste of high A in the second half. And I saw you tweeting out a little bit of BP from a guy like Jalen Ortiz the other day and retweeting it. The, the raw power looks pretty impressive, but what's the hit tool like? Uh, it's... I think he's really similar to Reese Hoskins just in that it's kind of approach and on base and then hit tool. Like he's, he's just going to be a monster on base machine and he may never hit better than like 260, 265. I, I think he could end up hitting better than that, but I don't want to get too aggressive there, but it's, it's just going to be so much thump and so much on base that he's going to be hitting in the middle of the lineup 
and just driving in a ton of runs, scoring a ton of runs. Uh, you're not really rostering him to try to win batting average or anything like that, but you're just kind of taking all the counting stats that, that comes with his, his glorious tools. So what kind of grade would you put on that power? 70. So 70? Okay. Good to know. I was happy to get him in SKL2. Pretty late in the first round of the reserve draft. I was so surprised that nobody jumped up and got him. The only... Well, I... <laughs> Thanks. Uh, the only, the, the <laughs> I, I actually did it. Hey, you got a good, dude, got a good pick, dude. I did it, but um, I ended up doing an update. Uh, I, I updated top four hundred uh, recently, uh, yesterday actually, and moved <laughs> moved Ortiz above uh, Esteban Floreal, who I ended up taking. <laughs> I was just because oh, no. I've been just kind of kicking myself ever since that SKL two reserve draft for. I was like, well, I have Florial ranked higher, so I gotta probably take him. And then I was just like, I wanted Ortiz that whole time. I'm, I'm pissed I don't have Ortiz, so mm-hmm. I should probably rank Ortiz ahead of Florial now. But yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's just gonna be. I mean, everyone in the dynasty league kind of prospect community is all aboard. I think at this point, but he's still not really a a household name you know like i think that this year is the year where he kind of establishes himself as one of the more exciting prospects in all of baseball nice that is interesting about just how you know we spend so much time on rankings i was doing the round table with like three iterations of it and then with a gun to my head not literally obviously but yesterday doing the online championship was such a big buy-in you know i dif- differentiated from my rankings and deterred a lot uh ended up getting Francisco Lindor over guys who I had ranked higher and I had to make that change today because you know I want that shortstop with some speed over a guy like Votto or even JD Martinez because I just feel more comfortable in his ability to contribute in all five categories and just getting that base early not having to chase speed later were you I, f- I forgot. Did you get Acuna in that? No. Ooh, wow. Yeah, You're fighting got... an uphill battle because I did. I know. That sucks. <laughs> I was see. So I got, like, pitching was going crazy. And I ended up getting Jose Ramirez in the third, which was nuts because so many pitchers went off the board. But then I had to chase a little bit. I got Nola. Well, I, I love that. The, you got Nola, Carlos Martinez, and Paxton. Uh, Paxton. Paxton was the guy yeah. I took, and then Acuna went. Okay. I debated the two, because I have I love Jackson ranked higher. I mean, I it sucks that you missed out on that first run, but getting Nola Martinez Paxton at least gives you, you know, I I think it wouldn't surprise me at all if a couple of those guys finished as top fifteen starting pitchers this year. So yeah, just not that. I mean, I got Kenley, which kind of helps uh, everybody on the staff, but it's uh, a lot of risk, and I kind of wish if I'd had that one back. I'd taken Acuna, and if I'm going to be honest with myself in that event, I should push Acuna in my rankings up to like the mid 70s. That's where I have. Uh, that's where I have Paxton right now. We'll see. I mean, I think that's where if if you're drafting in the NFBC main event this weekend, I mean, if you're if you have a pick in the 70s and you want Acuna, that's pretty much where you have yeah, to you take. I have to take him in the 60s, quite honestly, but. Oh, I'm just really excited. He looked like the best player in the Grapefruit League this spring. We'll see. But getting back to the list, and we're running a little long, so we won't dwell on all these. But Colton Welker, I know you've been pretty high on him, projecting that he hits above 350, sets career best in ISO and slug at length, 
Lancaster, excuse me, uh, then assigned to Double A in late May, early June. And Lancaster is a pretty famous hitters park. But do you think it's not just going to be there? Do you think he's going to tear up that entire league? I mean, I think he'll hit like I don't know two ninety on the road and like three eighty at home, <laughs> something like that. It, it's uh, I think he's got a better hit tool than. Brendan Rogers and Brendan Rogers put up crazy numbers there last year. So uh, I just fully anticipate Colton Walker's slash line to look completely absurd in mid May and that Rockies just basically have no choice, but to promote him just to give him a challenge. So uh, I think he's a guy like a lot of the guys that I've really been trying to pump up like uh, Urias and Riley and Ortiz, like everyone's kind of coming around on all those guys. Uh, Welker's one of the guys that I really love who there's still a pretty big gap between how much I like him and how much others in the industry like him. Nice, man. Uh, well, most of these predictions so far have been pretty positive, and this one has a positive slant to it at the end as well. But you are predicting Joe Adele to struggle to hit for average this season, his full season debut, striking out over 27% of the time, betting under 250. But you still think the power and speed will be there, but do you think like this time next year, because maybe these hit for low average, the people are lower on him than they are now? Yeah, I, I kind of have sort of the same prediction for him and Helio Ramos, who both, uh, I think both are in most people's top 50, at least people that rank uh, fantasy prospects. And that's based on, how impressive those guys were in the AZL last year. And that's awesome. I mean, they're, they had better debut debuts than I think anyone could have hoped for when they got drafted. I just think part of the reason why those were two of my negative predictions is because I think it's extremely possible that both of them struggle to hit for high average strike out a decent amount and I, I just don't hear anyone really saying that about them like everyone I haven't heard a negative word about Joe Adele in like two months and I, I totally wouldn't be surprised if he went out and hit 290 and showed power and speed but I think that people have just completely forgotten about the pre-draft scouting report which was that he's got some big contact issues and the hit tool scared a lot of teams off and just because he went out and had a great run in the the azl doesn't necessarily mean that he's shut the door on any of those concerns so i just i think it's important to kind of point out what a potential a legitimate potential outcome is for these guys when pretty much all dynasty league owners have heard all offseason is how great they are yeah, I think that's good to give that kind of dose of reality for both these guys, especially Ramos, because he was just a, a trendy name throughout draft season, it seemed like. And, yeah, and he had a, a, you know, we, you and I, like as editors at the site, talk a lot about how people use BABIP way too much in their analysis. Uh, but with, with Helio Ramos, he had a 500 BABIP last year, and he struck out like 30 two percent of the time so it's it's really not even that out there to suggest that he'll come crashing back to earth at least in the first half this year austin beck your ninth prediction here you think he will go 2020 as a 19 year old in his first full season as a pro in the pitcher friendly midwest league maybe we can catch a game 
up here in the Midwest. Enters 2019 as a top 20 prospect for Dynasty Leagues. What does this kid need to work on? Because it sounds like the, the raw tools are there for him to be a potential star in this league. Uh, just, you know, pitch recognition. Um, he He's one of those guys that, you know, he missed time in his, as a as an amateur due to injuries i think it was the the learning curve for him against pro pitching was it it took him longer to get going than it did adele and ramos but over like the last month or so he was just as good as those guys and coming into the draft i think was higher than both of those guys on pretty much everyone's board and his tools are just as impressive like his power and speed potential uh to me it's probably above i mean i think he might actually have a higher ceiling than adele or ramos and i think that's just gotten completely lost on people that are taking adele and ramos way ahead of him just based on i mean you're basically just saying these 35 games or whatever are more important to me than all the information we had before those 35 games and it's not like beck was even bad towards the end he really started figuring things out i've i've heard uh josh hamilton comps on beck i mean that talk about a dude that had tools uh josh hamilton was just an absolute freak in his prime and i think beck's got that same kind of upside so it's just pitch recognition how much does he strike out uh take the ball the other way that type of thing can he can he hit for a high enough average to be a star another negative prediction here at number 10 and i feel like we've already offered this one to the listeners multiple times you have you're predicting Francisco Mejia will not catch a single game in the big leagues this year. A lot of people, you know, especially in the NFBC, there's UT only, as he should be in most leagues, realistically. Uh, whereas UT only, oh, he'll gain catcher eligibility. Not a given. Definitely not. And what's your reasoning behind that? Didn't they announce the other day that he was going to work on outfield at triple a see that but I, I could totally see it I, I, uh, yeah we got a note on that yeah i mean it <clears throat> how many how many red flags do you want for a team not liking a guy's defense behind the plate yeah. that they sent him to play third base in the afl and they're going to send him to work on the outfield at triple a like they have Jan Gomes and Roberto Perez as their two catchers. If they thought he was going to be a good defensive catcher, they wouldn't be messing around at third base or the outfield. So uh, it's just, I don't get it. I don't, I mean, I could totally be wrong. I'm not saying I'm 100% right on this, but just I've heard way too many people dismiss any notion that there's anything to worry about with, with him sticking at catcher. And I just think you're getting a little too, I, I don't know. I just don't get it. Um, I yeah. I think he's a really good hitter. I don't know how much power is coming, and it's. I would like him more as a prospect if his whole time in pro ball he had just been playing third base, hmm. and there weren't questions, and we just knew that he was going to be a third baseman forever. I hate it when a guy seems to be in a situation where he's going to get jerked around and like work at this position work at this position like it's just it's not good it doesn't usually work out very well and i don't think he has like i think he could develop like when he gets 26 27 28 he could develop 20 25 homer power but he's not gonna contribute with his legs so you really need 
plate appearances to to really get as much value as you can out of that batting average early on. And I just I don't see the India. I mean, the Indians are going to try to win a World Series. They they don't have time to let Mejia try to figure out his defense behind the plate this year. Yeah, I mean, you make a lot of really good points there, and just stating the obvious though about the guys they have there. Uh, you would think if there was any sort of chance or any sort of faith that he could make it work, they would not be doing this. But indeed they are with the Indians, and uh, I, I still still see people pumping him up, and I'm just keep hearing your words in my head. Just <clears throat> I'm, I'm annoyed at CBS for having – they have like a glitch, right, where he's yeah. – you can – You can't like set the limits like we used to be able to. Yeah. I mean, it, it – yeah. Uh, we'll just leave it at that. DJ Peters, you're predicting he hits 30-plus homers between AA and AAA, striking out less than 30% of the time. That's pretty impressive. Uh, I would imagine if he's hitting 30-plus homers in the minors this year, I mean, imagine what he could do with the, the new ball in Major League Baseball. So what kind of hit, uh, what kind of grade would you put on this power tool? 70. I mean, 70? Maybe, maybe more. <laughs> he Jeez. He's... DJ Peters might have my favorite body in the minor leagues. And I, I don't say that lightly because there's a lot of bodies down there that I like. Uh, and his is kind of unique. It's kind of outside of my niche. You know, I, I, I typically like, you know, the Byron Buxton, uh, Ronald Acuna type where it's just kind of streamlined athleticism. But, DJ Peters, man, he he looks like he could have been on that like Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco A's team back in the early '90s. I mean, dude is so so thick in the thighs and the shoulders and biceps. I mean, he's he's a big boy. He's he's got a ton of strength. I would not want to mess with him. And he just looks like he looks more like a man than half the guys in the big leagues. Nice. Well, quick note from our sponsor, FanDuel Fantasy Baseball fans. Spring training is underway, and the regular season will be here before you know it. Uh, we're one week away. And with baseball season comes FanDuel, offering the most exciting ways to play fantasy baseball, no matter what you're looking for. FanDuel, the excitement of fantasy baseball without the full season grind. Something for everyone. Tons of different contests and ch- formats to choose from, starting at just $0.25. Cents. Just pick a contest, choose your team, and enjoy watching your results in real time. We got James R daily tools just launching i think it was a day or two days ago pretty exciting you can get help with all the new product variations on fanduel smaller rosters al and only etc there's truly something for everybody play against your friends for bragging rights or play against the public for millions in cash prizes to take advantage of our special offer for new users sign up today at fanduel.com slash rw you'll get a free six-month rotowire subscription which will help Give you all the tools you need to be successful with your first deposit on FanDuel. Just visit FanDuel.com slash RW. Void where prohibited. And I will just say that uh, the man, Lord Zola, handling those uh, in-season maintenance of our daily projections. He does a great job. So just another reason to sign up. 12, Sheldon Noisy, a guy who has an, a fitting name, and I'm pretty excited about him. A lot of loud contact off the bat. Ended up with him in quite a few of our keeper leagues so far, predicting that he puts up a monster slash line against upper-level pitching and finishes the season in the middle of that Oakland lineup as the everyday DH. 
I, I like it. I want to know, though, like with long term with a guy like Sheldon Noisy, is he going to be able to hit enough to be a, an everyday DH over the next like five years, or is he going to be somebody who you know hits a little bit, but probably not enough to really be a, an everyday DH? I think he's going to be kind of a Evan Gaddis type where you'll see him like he obviously doesn't play catcher but you'll see him get you know start at third base here some some work at first base maybe left field every now and then but his home's going to be dh like that's that's where he's at home uh and yeah obviously i I, i'm betting i wouldn't go all in on saying he's going to hit enough to be a big league dh for you know the next five six years but i think there's a, a decent chance that that happens and this is a guy that is kind of a under the radar like he he i think i'm the only person that has him in my top 100 in the industry and you know great now out in arizona yeah and he's he's turned some heads in spring training too and it just he seems like a a good fit age-wise and position-wise with that really exciting young A's core on the the position player side they have a lot of up the middle guys coming Matt Chapman's obviously not going anywhere at third base they have Matt Olson at first base and Noisy's lack of defensive chops really I don't think is an issue at all in terms of playing time because it's not like he was going to play over any of those guys anyways is Chris Davis though going to be the primary DH he's going to start at DH I actually heard a interview with Susan Slusser where she was saying that it's it's kind of all like his throwing like that's that's kind of the knock on him in in the outfield right is just his his throwing's terrible but like he he doesn't have like worse range than like your typical left fielder and the throwing thing apparently is just kind of a, a psychological issue with him uh and he's that's really been the main thing he's been working on all spring is just getting is throwing from the outfield to the bases which doesn't sound that hard but i mean if you got it kind of in your head that you're uh not confident then you're going to kind of lollipop some throws and uh I, I just think that it makes sense especially i mean the a's realistically probably aren't contending this year why not just put him back out and left at a certain point and put noisy at dh and just try to have the a really nasty lineup that that scores a ton of runs i think that it could work Nice, nice. And just while we're on the subject of the A's, real quick, what's your level of concern with AJ Puck in this? It was a biceps or triceps mm-hmm. issue. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, I mean, I I think like on a scale of one to ten, my level of concern is like a four, mm-hmm. four or five. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say like six, five or six. Yeah, I, and there's they're downplaying it, but then you know bad. the nice thing is he. I know it obviously a lot of our listeners are own puck and redraft leagues or that's what they care about. So it, it could end up being pretty bad on that front from a dynasty league perspective. You know, he's so close to the big leagues anyways, that even if he ends up missing a decent amount of time this year, uh, it doesn't really affect his stock a ton long-term. It's not like he was down at low a or rookie ball or something when this happened. Yeah, I'm sure that'll end well in stake, you know, Oh, sure I won't cut it. That, that's going to be a fun. That's going to be a fun little exercise you have all all season, where you're just kind of like talk about I'll, this all winter too. I think I'll keep him. I think I'll keep Puck again. I think I'll keep. <laughs> I don't really want to drop him just yet. And then you'll yeah, the upset. you'll 
be like, God, like you'll, there'll be some news item where it's like, yeah, he's, he's still kind of just doing light toss and you'll be like, all right, I guess I'm going to cut, cut bait. And then like a month later he's pitching in the big leagues. Yeah. And he's like a top 15 starter in the second half. Yeah. All right. So how about this in these next remaining seven of these or eight, I can do math, but, um, I will just say the prediction and just throw it back to you and then you could add any commentary you want and then I will just keep going down the list. Sure. So 13, Dermis Garcia hits 35 homers in his age 20 season, splitting time between low A and high A. He enters 2019 as a top 75 prospect for Dynasty Leagues. Low batting average, more power than any hitter in the minor leagues right now. Terso Ornelas turns, turned 18 on March 11th. Will be at least 15% better than a league average hitter while hitting double-digit home runs in the Midwest League. Really, really good hitter. Uh, really good on base skills. He's going to grow into 60, 70-grade raw power. Uh, definitely a guy that should be out there in a lot of dynasty leagues and is worth picking up right now. I imagine this one ruffled some feathers. I haven't really looked at the comments, but... Uh R.I.P. Your your mentions. I imagine after this, they, one. no, no, no comments no, about it. Nothing. Not, not even on Twitter. Everyone knows. Hey, they know where they came. They they know that they're not going to find <laughs> massive Willie Calhoun. Yeah, you're going to get shut down there. But you're predicting <laughs> Anthony Santander of the Orioles sticks in the big leagues all season and out earns Willie Calhoun in 15 team mixed leagues. Santander's looked really impressive this spring. Dude has plus raw power. I think he's just a really good natural hitter, and the Orioles obviously have some question marks in those corners right now. Interesting, yeah, because I think a lot of people think, well, some people in any way think maybe 44 days they get that long-term control over and and send him back, but not if he's hitting. Right. I mean, he's probably better than Colby Rasmus right now. That's good to hear because I got him with my last reserve pick in labor. I'm hoping that you're you're right on that. Jose Miranda hits over 280 with 20-plus home runs in his full-season debut. Yeah, he's... Not quite as young as we'd like. I think he's going to be 19. I think he might maybe turn 20 during the season. Uh, a little older than I typically would like a low-A hitter to be, but he's just a guy that no one talks about. Really impressed with what he did in rookie ball last year in the Twins organization. Tyler O'Neill, I know he's a guy you're down down on. Enters the year with 557 career plate appearances at AAA, and you think he makes his big league debut in August after getting traded for a middle reliever at this year's trade deadline. Yeah, I, I I like making a prediction involving a trade. I have yet to hit on one. That's easier said than done, but I mean, just look at that Cardinals organizational depth chart. They have at least five or six outfielders that are close to big league ready who I would take over O'Neill. so I think he's just a spare piece at this point. Ronald Guzman, who is on the 40-man roster, you think he will make his big league debut this summer? But he hits under 250 with an ISO under 150, leading to him getting dropped in the majority of dynasty leagues. Yeah, I'm just, I don't buy it. And I think that people are going to see those rough numbers in the big leagues, take another look at his minor league numbers and be like, yeah, I can, I can afford to cut bait. Tyreek Reed hits 20 plus home runs with an OBP over 400 in his full season debut in the Sally League. It's a big boy. Uh, I think our buddy Chris Welsh gave me a Prince Fielder comp on the body. Uh, It's not what you want to hear. Or is it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe it is for the first few years, but you're not Um, not looking at a long career with with a body like that. Anyways, huge raw power, uh, really impressive plate skills. Uh, I think he's going to be a trendy name this summer. You might have to help me with this name. Demi Oramaloye? 
Arimaloy. I, I don't know. Who knows? Who cares? Who the hell knows? <laughs> but are you predicting that he'll be this year's Monty Harrison hitting 20-plus home runs with 20-plus steals, cross stops at low A and high A in his age 21 season? Yeah, he's ridiculously tooled up. He is really following in Harrison's footsteps where he's going to repeat low A after really struggling there. And he's going to be old, a little bit old for the level. I think it's going to work in his favor, really get to show off that power and speed. And people are going to, I mean, I mean, I think he's just going to get scooped up in the vast majority of dynasty leagues by season's end. Awesome, James. Well, we appreciate the insight. I imagine pitcher predictions next week. Yep. Along with the start of the countdown, the, the collabs countdown. countdown. Yep. Excited for that. I still got a lot of work to put in on my list. Well, all you need is to find number 20. You can kind of. Yeah, that's true. No, I <laughs> I want to put in legit yeah. work on this. Yeah. I know you've like been tinkering with a playlist, and I appreciate that. I'm going to have to dig into my old CD boxes. I still have all those stupid old uh, CDs. It's just a waste of space and time but i have to rip those and get those all converted to digital at some point soon i'm I'm getting old already converting to digital it's an old man thing to say but james (laughs) thanks again talk to you guys next week Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.